From Murphy to Mantio, extraordinary athletes, coaches, administrators, and contributors have impacted the North Carolina sports landscape. For some, their talents left an indelible mark. So much so, they are enshrined in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. It's time to chat with one of those Hall of Famers who dared to be as tall and stately as our Longleaf Pines. Here is your host of 15 Minutes of Fame, Chris Edwards. Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. I'm Chris Edwards. This week on the podcast, we visit with a 2024 North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer, Bob McKillop, the winningest coach in Davidson College basketball history. We talked to Coach McKillop about his journey from New York to Davidson, what it was like coaching those special teams, including the 2008 Wildcat team that went to the Elite Eight. We talk about some of his greatest memories as a college coach and more. All that and more this week with a 2024 North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer, Bob McKillop. Bob, thanks so much for the time, and welcome to the podcast. Well, Chris, it's such an honor for me to be part of this tremendous uh, group who have already been inducted into the Hall of Fame in this particular class that I'll be joining. So uh, I'm, I'm honored, very honored. Well, let's start here. Uh, you were born in Queens, uh, kind of on Long, Long Island, grew up there too. Talk, tell me about growing up and where your love for basketball first began. I was very fortunate that... Um, as a young boy, the playgrounds and the schoolyards and the parks were readily available, and uh, it, it became uh, what you did from the time you walked out of the door in the morning until uh, night hit, and mom and dad didn't worry about where you were. They knew you were playing ball somewhere, and be it baseball, be it basketball, be it stoop ball, be it punch ball, be it slap ball, be it stick ball, you had a ball in your hands, and uh, you did it all on your own. You had imagination. You dreamed about being a Yankee. You dreamed about being a Nick. You dreamed about being a, a New York Giant. And it was a glorious time to grow up in, in New York in the 50s and the 60s because of that uh, that innocence and that availability and uh, just, just the culture that existed. Well, I'm curious how someone from, from the New York area, from Queens, from Long Island, gets to East Carolina to play basketball, then on to Hofstra. Tell me about your recruiting process and then your journey through college basketball as a player. I had absolutely no scholarships for basketball. Uh, I, I was offered a contract with the New York Mets to play in their Class D league, the New York Penn League, and it was $500 a month uh, for three months. So it wasn't a really attractive offer. And back then they had uh, 50, 60 minor league programs. So <laughs> I was one of thousands upon thousands. And um, in, in the spring of my senior year of high school, uh, I would work out every Saturday at Archbishop Malloy in Queens with uh, my closest friend, Kevin Joyce, who became an All-American at South Carolina and a uh, captain of the Olympic team, and um, I had just the greatest fortune that uh, Jack Curran, a Hall of Famer, a Springfield Mason Hall of Famer, uh, the coach of Archbishop Malloy, watched those workouts and came up to me one day and asked me if I'd like a basketball scholarship, and I said, sure, and uh, he called uh, Tom Quinn from East Carolina, and on the spot, they offered me a, a plane ticket, uh, an opportunity for a scholarship, and uh, lo and behold, uh, I had never even heard of East Carolina, not knowing whether it was in the state of North or South Carolina, but it was Division One basketball, and it was a scholarship, and uh, it was all the result of a relationship with Kevin Joyce and the goodness and grace of uh, Jack Curran, the coach of Archbishop Malloy. 
When did you realize you wanted to get into coaching? Uh, when the Yankees didn't want me to play center field for them, <laughs> and the Knicks didn't want me to play point. Uh, those were my dreams growing up. I wanted to play. I was wanted to be the next Mickey Mantle, or I wanted to be the next Bill Bradley, or uh, uh, Clyde Frazier for the Knicks. And uh, when, when that dream disappeared, uh, I became a high school teacher and coach, and uh, realized after one year of coaching at Holy Trinity High School that my goodness, uh, you can really have an impact on lives. And it caused me to reflect upon my own life and realize how much coaches had impacted me from CYO to high school to college. So uh, it, it became a, a, a great uh, platform for me to try to uh, continue to play or be involved in sport, but uh, have an impact in life and also create a career. Let me ask you about your time as a high school coach at Long Island, on Long Island at Holy Trinity in Hicksville, and then later Long Island Lutheran, won 182 games, five New York State championships. How much did that time as a high school coach help mold and shape you as a coach and help develop your philosophy? I was incredibly gifted to be exposed to excellence throughout my high school coaching mm-hmm. career. Uh, we, we competed in uh, the Long Island Catholic League first, and then it, we became an independent class at Long Island Lutheran. But uh, tremendous legends like uh, Frank Morris and Jack Curran and Tom Murray uh, coached in the Catholic League and taught me so much about the game. Uh, I even came down to North Carolina with our Long Island Lutheran team and was given the opportunity to coach against two of the Hall of Famers, uh, Freddie Johnson at Greensboro Bay and Mac Morris, I think, at Page High School. And, uh, of course, I was fortunate to have good players, so I again became exposed to the college coaches. And uh, Murphy Drizelle and Terry Holland, the, the, the Davidson coaches, became friends of mine. And uh, Luke Conner-Secker and two other Hall of Famers, uh, Dave Oldham and Mike Zizewski, also became very good friends of mine. So I was exposed to excellence throughout my high school coaching days that uh, – uh, left me with uh, tremendous experiences, knowledge, and and uh, the willingness and want to chase dreams. Uh, it was quite a great experience for me. I'm going to fast forward on you a little bit because we only have a short amount of time. You went back to Davidson as the head coach in 1989 after that successful stint as a high school coach in New York. Why was 1989 being the head coach at Davidson? Why was that the right time for you to go back there? When I was at Davidson in 78, 79, that one year as an assistant, uh, I developed quite a few friendships. And uh, the friendships were not just amongst the players, but it was the people in the town, the administrators in the school, the professors. And uh, that kinship uh, kind of ignited a flame within me that that's a pretty special place. Now, in my East Carolina days as a player, my last game was against Davidson in the Charlotte Coliseum in front of 1,600 people. And it was during the glory days of what years out, Terry Holland and uh, Davidson was in the top 10 in the country four times during that time period. So Davidson had always been sort of a gold mine to me, uh, a, a, a leader in the world of college athletics because it, it combined the best of college athletics with uh, academics. The, the academic rigor at Davidson was extraordinary and very comparable to what you'd find at the at a Princeton. So I thought this was a great combination and uh, just had that terrific fortune of moving from a high school head coaching position to a, a division one coaching position at, at Davidson in 89. 
you finished your career as Davidson's all-time leader in wins, years coached, games coached, also have more Southern Conference wins than any other coach in that league's history, a ton of conference titles, I think over 20 conference titles. Now that you can take a step back and kind of look big picture, Coach, at your career, how much pride do you take in all that you were able to accomplish with that program? I think there's a, a, a very important part of my life that, one, uh, I, I understand who got me where I was, who gave me that platform. Uh, Davidson allowed me to work through quite a few inadequacies throughout my career, particularly those first three or four years. Uh, but the, the support of the people, whether it was Terry Holland or it was the players or the assistant coaches, uh, quite a, a treasure chest of friends and memories. And, and to see that the torch that was handed to me back in 1989 and we carried it throughout those 33 years, became brighter and brighter. And now to see that torch continue as Matt McKillop is the head coach, as Matt McNeely, another former player, captain, and assistant, is an assistant coach, as Will Weaver is an assistant coach, as Jack Gibbs and uh, Matt Williams are assistant coaches, guys that were part of that fabric and part of that, uh, that, that development are, are now carrying that torch brighter than ever. There were a lot of great seasons that you had at Davidson, and I, and I want to talk about one in particular, and I'm sure you get asked about it a lot, and it's the 2008 season. The perfect regular season conference record, won your third straight Southern Conference title, went to the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed, made that great run to the Elite Eight for the first time since 1969. When you think back on that year in particular, uh, I think that's the one that everybody thinks about with Davidson basketball. What memories or moments stand out to you being the leader of that group? You, you don't have an opportunity to craft dreams unless someone has lived that dream before you. And again, I reflect upon what Lefty Grizzell and Terry Holland did in the 1960s, and it's called the glory years of Davidson basketball. So, so they crafted that dream for me, and I saw that it was something that could exist. And having that fortune of, of stepping onto that canvas and uh, partaking in that in 2007-2008, and getting so close to getting to that final four, uh, well, the memories are just uh, forever running through my mind and ever present in front of my eyes because uh, it, it was not just the success that we enjoyed on the court, it was the relationships that we built as a coaching staff and as a group of players and as a group of people in the Davidson community. And to this day, that uh, is, is sort of front and center in so many people's lives as, as we engage, uh, particularly during holidays like Christmas, uh, during the opening of the season, uh, during vacations, uh, a walk in a piazza somewhere in Europe and you wear a Davidson shirt and people remember. And, uh, without doubt, uh, Steph Curry's fingerprints are all over that. And equally without doubt is how Stephen has remained such a, a, a shining light for what happened during that time period. Uh, so as, as a star and icon in the NBA globally, he now brings that uh, awareness uh, of what happened at Davidson during his time period all the time, whatever he does, because he, he continues to show his great pride and fondness for Davidson College. Let me ask you about you in particular, and we're in the age, as you know, coaches moving around different jobs, different schools. It seems like some coaches change jobs every other year, but you spent your entire college coaching career at Davidson. Why was that such a special place for you and your family to the point where you spent all of your college career there? 
Well, the commitment for Bob McKillop to come to Davidson was a McKillop family commitment. Uh, and only because of that was I able to survive at Davidson as long as I did. Uh, Kathy, our like, magnificent wife, raised three kids while I was uh, running around chasing people throughout the country to recruit them. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, as those players came into uh, the Davidson uh, community, they became like uh, adopted sons of the McKillop family. And all of a sudden, the McKillop family and the Davidson family became uh, one itself. And uh, how, how do you leave that? How do you separate yourself from that? But how do you not celebrate the, the foundation upon which that was built? And that's a combination of Davidson and McKillop. And uh, you see that continue today. Yeah, let me ask you about that McKillop connection. You mentioned it earlier, your son Matt, now the head coach at Davidson, knowing that your son is following in your footsteps, not just as a basketball coach. Take that away for a second. As a dad, how proud are you of what Matt's been able to do to continue that Davidson family tradition in the McKillop household? Well, again, I have to reference uh, Kathy, uh, my wife, who raised Karen, uh, Matthew, and Brendan, three Davidson alums, uh, three outstanding Davidson alums. Karen was a Phi Beta Kappa, Matt and Brendan, both close to 1,000-point scorers, 1,000 uh, captains of the team, and enjoying successful careers. And, of course, to see Matt right here uh, as the head coach now, <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic to, to sit there across from the bench and, and watch uh, the action go on. And uh, it's uh, quite a, a thrill, quite a, a, a sense of pride, and quite a piece of joy for the, all of us in our family to, to see Matt uh, do such a terrific job of uh, moving into that head coach's chair and, and immediately making an impact on uh, the, the future of Davidson College basketball. As we wrap up our time together, Coach, this is how I like to end all of our conversations with all of our Hall of Famers. People are, are trying to be successful in whatever walk of life they might be in, whether that's personal life, business life, whatever it is. You have obviously been very successful as a head basketball coach. What do you think are the biggest traits that someone needs to be a successful person in whatever walk of life they're in? You know, I walked out the door uh, from my house each day and headed to the car and going to campus, and uh, I learned, and it became routine, that as I walked out that door and into the car, I conditioned myself to say, how can I help those who I meet today to become better, to achieve their goals, to reach their dreams? Uh, that was a, a pretty special blessing that I had that God gave me to have the opportunity and the grace to think that and to handle that challenge. And, you know, coaching is such a noble and sacred profession, and I just felt that it was an opportunity that I could help. And I believe that anyone that looks out the door each morning and heads to their job and gets involved with their family, if they think of the concept of helping, uh, I think it has an impact on you that uh, will make you better certainly will make all those people around you better. We, we live in a world of, of opinion. Everyone has a platform to express their opinion. And I, I'm strongly in the belief that if you sweep in front of your own door, the world will be a clean place. So in the process of helping, you are sweeping in front of your own door, making that place, that world, a better place. That's a perfect place to end. Coach, thanks so much for your time. Congratulations again on the Hall of Fame, and we look forward to seeing you very, very soon in Charlotte for the induction ceremony. Well, 
Thank you so much. Thanks to Coach McKillop for his time on the podcast this week, and thanks to you, as always, for joining us on 15 Minutes of Fame. If you would like to contribute to the educational efforts of the Hall, please consider a donation. Visit our website at ncshof.org, and you'll easily find the Donate button. Also, if you'd like to receive our electronic newsletter, please send us your email. Our address is info at ncsportshalloffame.org. For all of us at the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame, I'm Chris Edwards.